From Vintage City Church in Fort Collins, Colorado, it's the Vintage Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Sanders. We're going to be in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 this morning. Um, if you're new with us, uh, we, we systematically have been working through the book of Corinthians, and so we're going to finish up uh, the end of chapter 9 this morning. Uh, I'm wondering, uh, how, many, how many are connected in some way, shape, or form to a, vet, a veteran or, or military police, anybody like that? Memorial Day is an interesting holiday. I think we all view it. If we're not careful, we just view it as a great day off. And I always, it's, all, it's become a habit that I've, as I've become older and try to be a little more mature, to try to remember the people that I'm connected to that, um, that have given service to our country, to remember the families that have, you know, loved ones that, that have been lost. And what's it look like for us if we grab onto that? as a culture and just say, how many know that scripture says give honor to whom, whom honors do? That it's actually a, a supernatural law, it's a biblical mandate, that we dispense honor upon things that are honorable. When someone gives and serves, it's right for us to give honor. And so I just want to encourage us. Uh, I don't want to come across as a challenge, I just want it to be an encouragement. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, take five, ten minutes, think through the list of people that you know that you're connected to and find a way to reach out to them. Find a way to just, whether it's a phone call or a text message or, or it's a social media shout out, however you feel like is most appropriate, let's work on being a culture that learns how to dispense honor to those who have rightfully deserved honor. Can we do that? Good, we with me? You okay? Like, man, he's got serious. Like, yeah, and then you can go about your holiday and enjoy your day. It's great after that. But let's do that. First um, Corinthians chapter 9, if you remember right, we were... Um, in chapter 6, we grabbed onto a phrase that we would use to help communicate chapter 6. And in chapter 6, Paul's dealing with sexual immorality. And he's dealing with uh, the effects of this immorality and the call of God on us to be people of purity and, and to refrain from, from morality in our physical body. And so we, we grabbed onto a phrase, and it was really simple. It says, what, what I choose to do with this body, my body, affects what God will do with our body. The principle being, we belong to each other, we're connected, and so what I choose to do with my body affects what God can do with this body, and I don't know about you, but for me, that was just a, a sobering reminder of, of the relationship we live in in the kingdom, because it is so easy to compartmentalize and, and, and begin to think, my life doesn't really have an effect on you, it's just my life, and the way I choose to live is my business, and it's not your business, and, and that's just so clearly not what the Bible teaches. And so in chapter 9 here, Paul will kind of ramp up again into this idea of dealing with, he deals heavily with our physical bodies. And I want to look at that this morning, just, a, just three verses. The first one is, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Verse 25 says that all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. 
I'm not shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we're grateful for just the sweetness of your presence already, for the encounter we've already experienced and walked in. And, and as we look at these scriptures this morning, Lord, we ask that you would give us the wisdom and the integrity to deal with what it says, deal with what it teaches, to apply it well, and Lord, to be careful not to add to it. You're the guide, you're the teacher. So this time is yours. Lord, I ask that you would bring revelation to every heart for areas that, that all of us need to grab onto in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Get a drink of coffee and then here we go. So the word that Paul uses for race is the word stadios. And so a stadios, we understand, how many can understand the connection is probably what? Stadium? We, we make, it's not hard to make that connection. Stadios was, a, was an event. It was a race for them. It was a 600-meter race, so uh, like a, a lap and a half around a track. And, and they, would, they would be familiar with this because this was a, a regular occurring event, this, this Stadios event. And they would, there was, athletes would train and, and they would prepare themselves for it. And then all of the city would come and they would pack into the, you've seen coliseums in Rome, you've seen the, the idea. And for us, it's, it's probably the closest connection that we would have is, is maybe the Olympics. The idea of large crowds, fanfare. Um, so there's all this fanfare, there's all this hubbub. And this is the word that Paul uses. It's the imagery that he uses. And he's calling this competition into mind. And if we think about the imagery that he's calling into mind, it draws our attention to competition. Have you ever considered that our lives, because that's what he's, he's giving a parallel for them. He's talking about their spiritual life, and then he's pulling this word picture about a race and about com being competitive. Have we ever considered that our lives are very much like a competition. Have you considered, if you're in a race, you can win or lose, correct? Does that offend our sense of grace? You know that everybody gets a trophy, sense of grace? Where we don't want to believe that there, there might be winners and losers in the kingdom? Now, if I really grab onto this idea of being in a, in a competitive environment, what does it look like for me to live that way? What does that change in my life? What does that change in my approach? What does that change in my attitude? What does it confirm? What does it confront in me? Because this is Paul's goal with asking this question of them, with laying this word picture in front of them. He's challenging and encouraging this young church to live their lives for Jesus in a manner like athletes, similar to athletes. He's saying to them, I want you to have a passion to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. The prize that they would, uh, that they would win wasn't even like a cool polished gold trophy or anything like that. They literally would win a wreath that had been fashioned out of, a lot of times they used olive trees, it was a garland wreath and they would place it on their head. And so how many have ever tried to make cool wreaths and hang on your door? They dry out, right? 
they fade away. Eventually, they become useless. So all of this preparation, all of this training was going to be for the, for the few days where they could wear something with pride and honor and walk through the city as, as the winner, and then it fades away. And Paul's like, that doesn't even make sense. Think about what we're racing for. What we're racing for is something eternal. This word discipline means to exercise self-restraint or to be self-governed in behavior. I think we could say it this way. Athletic focus requires knowing what to aim at and what to avoid. If we follow Paul's example of thought, which he's dealing with fitness, right? He's dealing with, definitely dealing with physical fitness. We understand there's a mental, physical, and spiritual aspect to training, i.e., what I think about matters. How many have ever been an athlete? You've actually competed. You've, you've had to train. You've had to work to become an athlete. So you understand this principle. What I think about matters. What I act on matters. What I refuse to act on matters. What I ingest or take into my body matters. And Paul says, to win a prize, I would say it this way, winning is never an unintentional thing. Winning requires intentionality. Athletes achieve their goals because they intentionally pursued those goals. That's the concept that Paul's bringing to the table for this young church. He's calling the church to forsake and let go of unintentional life. Hear it in his language, challenging them to let go of being willing to live unintentionally. This eternal prize he talks about, I just want to draw our attention to it for a second. There's a moment when you and I will stand before Jesus and have our life performance evaluated. Consider the weight of that idea. It's called the Bema seat in Scripture. We love to talk about grace. We love to talk about the sweetness and the goodness of the Lord. But we struggle and we have difficulty talking about the reality that we have to give an account for how we lived. I stand before Him. Mercy triumphs over judgment. We understand this. However... We would be remiss if we lived in a way to believe, no matter how I live, it doesn't matter. It's all good. It matters. And Paul's calling their attention to that. And I think we need to adjust a perspective. A lot of us have believed that living with discipline is an option. Paul seems to teach that it's not. Paul seems to teach that our focus will determine our success. So he's calling them to compete with focus in life. Be focused in life. I would say it this way. According to Paul here, we are called to be in control of us. I am called to be in control of myself. So verse 26, he says, So I run with purpose at every step, and I'm not just shadow boxing. I run with purpose at every step. I, I would say Paul's, in this verse, he's calling them to compete with consistency. The first verse, he just says, I want you to be focused, be intentional. The next one is, be consistent. Can I just say this? Our lives, individually, that's our calling. 
Our calling isn't something we do. Our calling is our life. It's your race. And you have to choose how you're going to live it. And so Paul's answer is, live every moment with purpose. Be consistent in your decision making. The word purpose here is to be certain. That's what the word means. Live with certainty. In essence, essence, he's saying, be intentional. Intentionality is never a decision in life to just let whatever happens happen. Intentionality means I'm exercising control on the direction. I'm being, being specific. How many would admit being intentional is hard? Absolutely it is. How many Star Wars fans do I have in the room? One of my favorite Star Wars quotes that nobody quotes is, do or do not, there is no try. Can I suggest you're either going to live intentional or you're not? You have to make that call. Paul will use a word shadow boxing, and it's the idea of punching without an opponent. And so what Paul's doing is he's linking two ideas, and he's saying this, when we live without intentionality, we're actually having no effect on our opponent. Shadow boxing is a lot of work that does no damage. It's standing in front of the mirror because you think, you know, the gun show's looking cool while you throw a punch. But Paul's like, that's not what this is, because that has no effect on the opponent. And when we choose to live without purpose, we choose to live without intentionality, what we're doing is shadow boxing. So what that tells me is living a life of intentionality has an effect on the enemy. When we live intentional, we affect the game. And I think in this moment, we have to let go of some illusions. The illusion that some days and some decisions and some attitudes matter. Could I suggest that what Paul's teaching is every day, every decision, and every attitude matters. Yeah, but that's so hard. It just seems so legalistic. It's not legalistic. It's fact. Paul is saying, walk, look at the verse, live. I run with purpose in every step. Every step dealing directly with every movement of my life has an agenda and has a reason. I'm intentionally choosing my course. And he goes in verse 27 and he, and he gets to an area that we're just going to love when, it, when we flesh out what it teaches. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. I would say it this way. If, we're, if Paul's first statement is compete with focus and, and his next statement is compete with consistency, this one I would say is compete with a killer instinct. How many ever had a coach challenge you to have a killer instinct? Am I just that old, really? <laughs> a killer instinct, by definition, if you look it up, and, and we all know that the, the Wikipedia is right on everything. So according to Wikipedia, killer instinct is a ruthless determination to win or succeed. A ruthless determination to win or succeed. Paul's word choice in this verse is captivating. The word discipline here means to beat black and blue. 
In the Greek, the word literally means to do physical damage to himself. The next word, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. That word training means to lead away into slavery. He says, I make my body my slave. In this particular verse, the opponent for Paul is his body. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. The word for body here is soma. It doesn't mean I discipline the spiritual life. It literally means flesh and blood. Soma, pinch yourself right here on the wrist right now. Grab onto it until it hurts. Welcome to soma. This is soma. It's this. It's flesh and blood. None of you did that. You're bad at taking direction. Paul says... This competitive killer instinct that we're to live with should be aimed at our body. How do I discipline my body? And now I'm, I'm gonna t we worked in this in our teaching team meeting. We were laughing at like, this is really, really intense what Paul says here. Because so often we want to compartmentalize our lives. How many are familiar with a Venn diagram? You've seen a Venn diagram before, right? Where you have, where you have three groups that are individual in their nature, but then Venn diagram reveals where they overlap. A lot of us want to believe that we have a mind, we have a body, we have a spirit, and they're separate, and there's some areas where they overlap. And this is what Paul's dealing with. Paul's dealing with the body. And, I, and the attitude that we are to have, hear this, my flesh, my body, is mine to control. That's the attitude we're to have. That's actually part of my calling. I, I worked out in, the, in a gym in California when I was traveling, leading worship, I had a workout partner, his name was Caleb, and we were in the gym one day, and, and I had found some crazy 300 workout. Like, remember the movie 300? I found out how those guys got super shredded in that movie and went and did their workout for a while. And so part of this workout, it, it was grueling. It's difficult. You do it for time. You kind of want to vomit the whole time you're doing it. And I, I take my buddy to the gym with me, and, and my buddy's pretty soft, if I'm honest. He definitely has not hit the weights very much in his life. And so about halfway through the workout, he's like, you know, there's a fundamental difference between you and me. I'm like, what? He's like, you hate yourself. He's like, I don't. I like me. <laughs> you see, Paul's talking about having that attitude towards our body. The action, if we pull from verse 26, shadow boxing is when we have the right belief set without the right application. Can I just say it this way? Thinking about it is different than doing it. Thinking about being disciplined physically is much different than being disciplined physically. The word Paul uses for discipline in its root definition deals with dominance. Paul is saying, I dominate my body and make it my slave. It's in, I'm its master. Why? Why would Paul say that? Isn't it all about the spirit? Isn't it all about my, my, my emotional man? Isn't it all about what I think? Does my body really have anything to do with it? Paul seems to understand that there's a supernatural link between physical discipline and spiritual excellence. I know, I just said that. Why? Why is there a link? I don't know. But it's clear that this is what Paul is calling this young church to. He's saying to them, to the measure that you're willing to discipline your physical body, you will walk in spiritual excellence. 
I think if we want to take a, a broad stroke and alleviate the focus on just physical body, we're to make sure that we're making no allowance for our flesh to control our lives. The word training it means make it my slave with a stern and rigid discipline. Could I just say it this way? Paul seems to be teaching our physical bodies are ours to control. See, we, we want so bad to make it all spiritual. We want to get off the hook and say, you know what, it doesn't matter how I take care of myself. It's just, it just matters whether or not I love Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit is to have control of me, but I'm to have control of my body, my attitudes, and my heart. There's no place in Paul's teaching where it's okay for the Holy Spirit to have control of me and me to not be exercising control over my own body. This isn't a fitness talk. This is Paul's idea of spiritual life, what it looks like to be healthy in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit controls me by calling me to obedience to the Scripture. I spend time in the Scriptures, and He teaches me the Word. And He invites me to obey His voice. I control myself. Catch the difference. Holy Spirit's in control of me through these spiritual platforms of the Scriptures and His voice. But I'm in control of me through my obedience to His voice, through my willingness to take the Scriptures in, through exercise and through moderation in all things. This is what Paul's dealing with here. We were laughing about this in our teaching meeting, just going, this is just not very much fun. Like, what a popular message to go on sabbatical for. But I think, it's, I think we've missed something in the kingdom because we haven't realized. A lot of us are wrestling with spiritual issues. We're wrestling with addictions. We're wrestling with patterns. And, and I think there's a hidden principle here that if we're willing to begin to appropriate some physical discipline, our spiritual discipline comes up. That's what I see Paul teaching here. I know my own journey, that's how it's worked for me. And then he says, this, this last phrase in verse 27 is interesting. Otherwise I fear that after preaching to others I might myself be disqualified. I would say it this way. You know, we compete with focus. We compete with consistency. We compete with the killer instinct, right? But we compete within the rules as well. Disqualification comes when rules are violated. And I wonder if we've considered that intentional discipline of our bodies is one of the rules of the race that Jesus gave us. We've treated it like an option. But I just wonder if we... Maybe should consider that it's possibly a rule since Paul equates a lack of doing that as runs the risk of being disqualified. In this way, we could say that without discipline, we're not competing the way Jesus said to. I think discipline, physical discipline, honors the example of Christ in my life. Jesus was pretty disciplined, wasn't he? When you read it, don't you see a lot of discipline in his life? Consider the discipline of fasting that we see Jesus do. I will tell you, fasting will tell you very quickly who's in control of your body. If you've ever fasted, you realize that your flesh comes alive and it's really angry for a while. Try it. Try it just to have a test. Am I in control of me? I'm going to fast. 
Because the Bible says it's a really good discipline. Jesus models this life. He says, I do and say only what the Father examples. So he's following the Lord in every aspect of his life. If we go back to this Venn diagram idea, we love to live with the compartmentalized picture of it, which is, you know, mind, body, spirit, and there's these overlap moments where they all come together. But I would say Jesus' mind was 100% governed by the wisdom of the Father, 100% governed by the truth and the desires of heaven. His spirit was 100% focused on living in harmony and in step with the Father. And his physical body was 100% under his own control. How else could he have gone to the cross and endured that kind of physical discipline if he wasn't in control of his body? He made the choice to stand before them. Okay, let's just take it away from physical discipline for a second. Let's talk about the physical discipline of shutting my trap. Jesus stands in front of Pontius Pilate and stuff is being leveled against him and he stands there dead silent, choosing to say nothing. Is that not a physical discipline? How many need that one more often? The physical discipline of shut up. But Jesus has this government of, we just see this controlled government nature. The Father calls him into a 40-day fast. We don't see him freaking out at all. He just goes and does it. He's, he's completely under the control of the Father. Mind, body, spirit. Paul's calling us to balance. Chase Jesus, but govern your person. And I think it's time we put away any belief that our bodies and our spirits are not connected. They are, church. They're connected. And I think if we're not controlling the appetites in our bodies... They're controlling us. Now I know when we talk about appetites, instantly there's more than just the physical life that opens up. Now we start talking about sin appetites. and What happens if those sin patterns that we're dealing with, if there's supernatural strength, if I'm willing to walk in physical discipline? Nobody loves sitting in church and say, having somebody challenge them to get on some kind of workout schedule because Paul seems to say physical discipline is good. But his word choice, I beat my body black and blue, it's not a soft word. He's not saying, I make sure my body remembers, hey, remember, I'm the boss. He says very clearly, I make it hurt so it knows I'm in control. I don't allow places for my body, my physical man, to control me. We can't look at chapter 9. We can't look at it in, in its weight and not realize that there's a call from God on our lives to be in control of ourselves physically. It means we control our addiction patterns. It means we control exercise patterns. It's good for your heart anyway. Just get out, walk in the neighborhood, smile at everybody, just say, you know what, I'm just, I, Jesus told me I need, I need to be healthy, so I'm going to be healthy. It, it doesn't really say that. I believe it does. I believe Paul's really dealing with a reality that we need to walk in completion. I would love to say the Venn diagram, when it's right, should look like constant overlap. Mind, body, and spirit should be on top of each other. It should all completely be under the government of God. There shouldn't be any areas where they're separated. Let's stand this morning.
say this. I, I believe my pastor loves me. Father, we stand before you this morning and our goal is always to handle the scriptures and the honest truth that's in front of us, not adding to it, not taking away. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would bring continued, revi- continued revelation to this text to each of us. Lord, we don't want any condemnation. That's not the goal. The goal is we want to walk in everything you have for us. And if you've provided supernatural grace to us, if we're willing to walk disciplined in our physical bodies, then we want that. And we need that. Teach us what it looks like to train ourselves. Not just to train ourselves in the gym, but to train ourselves in the scriptures. To train ourselves in listening to your voice. But Lord, I ask that this morning what would be on our hearts is that we would walk out of here with an understanding that this isn't a joke. This isn't a game. That their eternity hangs in the balance of our daily decisions. And we love you and we honor you and we just ask that your face would shine upon us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more great content, please visit us on the web at vintagecitychurch.com.